Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Texas Longhorn News, Sports, and Opinions with a Bit of Snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation. You can find more great Texas Longhorn content at BurntOrangeNation.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm one of your hosts this week. And before we get started, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps a ton with visibility. Helps us kind of rise in the rankings. You can also uh, subscribe and listen to this podcast on any major podcast platform except for Spotify. Still not there. Get it together, Spotify. We're on all the other ones. Uh, and you can always interact with us, whether it's on Twitter at LonghornPod or send us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, like I said, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week. And I'm joined this week by a man who's trying to stay straight, but the key- streets keep bending him, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, good out here in these streets, uh, just trying to further figure out what's going on with Texas basketball and... Uh, and uh, just try to wipe that from my psyche every once in a while, and then they uh, they pull me back in. So this was a this was a roller coaster of a week for me. How about you, man? Uh, we're we're recording a day late. We put it out there on Twitter. My son uh, turned one year old yesterday, which is absolutely insane to think about. So we had a bit of family in town. It was a birthday celebration, but we're here, and it's something to celebrate uh, because Texas sports this last week. Gave us a, a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. Yesterday was a consistent celebration. There were snacks. There was cake. There were little kids everywhere. It was a good time. So let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. That's not really what we're here to talk about. Although, I think we should start a kids' birthday party uh, podcast and just review kids' birthday parties that we crashed. That'd be weird. Let's not do that. So this week, we're going to talk a little men's basketball. Texas had another weekly split. Women's basketball lost their bid to close out their season uh, with 10 straight. They had a... Two wins and a hiccup, so we'll talk about that. Baseball opened up its season uh, this weekend in pretty successful fashion. Uh, and then finally, we'll drop in on some minor moves in the Texas football realm and talk about a junior day. And then obviously, we'll close it out with bang the drum. So Kyle, 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 Baylor, <sighs> Baylor. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. Not sure what happened, but Texas. Managed once again to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory against the Baylor Bears. Uh, double overtime, seventy-four to seventy-three loss in in kind of heartbreaking fashion too. So Kyle, you told me before the show that you barely wanted to talk about this game. <laughs> so uh, give us your quick and dirty rundown of what the heck happened against Baylor. Oh, Baylor sucks. That's my quick answer. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, just again, full disclosure, my uh, my girlfriend went to Baylor, and so this is a rough week. We'll get to the women's basketball later, but just losing to Baylor is, is never good. Uh, it's 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 never good in any sense. It's especially not good when there's one who can rub it in that you lost to Baylor. Um, yeah, you know, this was a this was a Texas team that uh, had a few bright spots actually that that looked good in this game, um, and a few that just didn't. Um, you know, they they really wanted to uh, play well, you know, towards the end and, and really almost could have eked back a, a victory um, that maybe wasn't deserved for their whole run of play in this game. But uh, they easily could have, could have won this game. Um, it was an overtime loss. Uh, it just, you know, to me, Mo Bamba is not at fault for this one. Um, you know, we, we talked about what he needed to do in the last game and, and what he was looking a little timid and, and uh, he really was was a guy who came in, um, you know, had the four blocks, put up 16 and 16. Um, you know, the Texas offense, again, saw a zone and said, okay, we just jack up threes now and stop going to uh, their inside game and feeding Bomba, which is something we talked about in the last podcast that's just inexplicable. I don't even know if that's like a – I assume some of it falls on the coaches, but that's a mentality from the players that they just see this and freeze and just resort to – Jacking up threes again as one of the worst three-point shooting teams in in uh, the country, but certainly in the Big Twelve they are the worst. Um, and you have a guy who's just lighting it up in Mobamba, uh, who's the best player on the court, and he's not getting the ball. Um, you know, he almost blocked the uh, the miss that they put back for the for the win too. So I mean, he was all over, and he had a great game. I thought Kerwin Kerwin Roach had a great game, and I thought everyone who wasn't um, kind of Dylan O or or tasked with guarding uh, Terry Maston, who uh, just tore Texas to shreds, um, did a pretty good job on defense. Like when that guy wasn't inexplicably wide open for jumpers, um, everything else they got was was contested. Um, you know, they looked decent, honestly. I mean, it was one pretty glaring thing where, where a guy came in and, and truly beat Texas. Uh, and in some ways, Texas beat themselves. So <sighs> what did you think, Gerald? It's it's hard to compensate for a guy like Mastin who comes off the bench and is capable of scoring twenty six points. Like it's to me, it's almost like when Manu Ginobili was coming off the bench in the early two thousands. Like he's not really a bench guy; he's a starter in a bench position. That and that's Terry Mastin. You know, he yeah. he he can create on the ball. Um, you know, he is he's just he's just a player. And sometimes players go off, and and again, when a guy comes off the bench and gives you twenty six, when you get thirty from you know almost forty five from your starters, like that's good. Like there, there's not much defense you can do for that. You know, uh, when your volume shooter hits most of their volume, it's just going to happen. We see it in the NBA all the time with guys like J.R. Smith. Like it just happens. You know, the the volume guy hits his shots, but on you know, those same tokens, you're going to lose some of those games. Uh, Texas battled in this one which was good to see they battled late. They were able to, um, you know, outscore Baylor 11 to five in the closing four minutes of the game. So that um, they've seemed to have figured out what was causing some of their late game collapses that we saw earlier in the season. So it, it's interesting to see, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move on to Oklahoma, because it wasn't all bad news. Yeah, it's uh it's 10 23 on a Monday night, Gerald and OU, Still isn't great. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's hard to call it a bad week of basketball when Texas doesn't just beat 
OU, Texas handled OU, so yes. uh, 77 to 66. That is not a typo in the show notes, even though I've done that before. So Texas goes up north to the Lloyd Noble Center and comes out victorious. Um, man, it was a tight game for the beginning, and then in the second half, Texas snapped off a 12-0 run, and... It seems like you know, I've only watched two OU games this year. Granted, I'm not on the Trey Young hype train, but it seems like when Texas pops them in the mouth, they don't know how to respond. Yeah, it's it's kind of awesome. Like I, I really don't remember. Um, I'm trying to think back to how Texas handled like the Blake Griffin years or another dominant player, but I, I seem to remember Blake kind of getting his against us. But uh, it's so great for OU to have this marquee player who literally every prognosticator commentator. Um, you know, message board, uh, you know, uh, hot taker has things to say about Trey Young just being, you know, uh, Michael Jordan incarnate or whatever. And, and he's a great player. Don't, don't get me wrong, but, uh, it's pretty great that, that against their biggest rival, he's just been shut down. And Texas seems to, a lot of these kids we've talked about are freshmen and, you know, just, just got here or, you know, Top's been here two years, uh, but they get it. They get how much, you know, the hatred's there and how when OU comes to town or you go up to, that godforsaken place that is Norman, Oklahoma. You have to, uh, you have to bring it, and you're you're representing uh, hundreds of thousands of people across the uh, the country and globe who absolutely want to see OU pushed into that red dirt. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was great. Uh, it was fun. It was redeeming uh, in in ways of you know your soul, but also for the tournament hopes for for UT. I think this was. Uh, this was pretty crucial after after a rough uh, rough couple games and, and that loss to Baylor. You know, we kind of said it's 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 do or die. You know, to get in, they have to treat it like the, the tournament now. Like this is playoffs now. They need to win everything. Um, but a note: um, the last time that Texas swept a ranked OU team was two thousand two two thousand three. Uh, so I think it's very safe to give a uh, a Longhorn Republic guarantee that Texas, uh, based on that. Uh, will make a Final Four run. Longhorn Republic is not liable for any Vegas losses you make by betting Texas to the Final Four. Uh, <laughs> so the thing that that's that you know strikes out at me, if you just look at the points scored, it looked like Trey Young had a Trey Young night, but dude was seven of twenty one from the floor. Uh, thanks mostly to uh, to the man called Snoop. Uh, over the last two games against Trey Young, uh, and Snoop Roach has has drawn the defensive kind of matchup. Uh, Trey Young is fourteen of forty three from the floor, including a five of twenty four from three point range. So they found a way to you know neutralize one of the most dynamic offensive players in the country. Like there, there's a reason why ESPN puts up a Trey Young stat tracker because the guy's dynamic. The guy's going to put up numbers. Um, and 26 points is great, but again, 14 of 43. He shot 7 of 21 on Saturday, had three turnovers, which a guy who plays like he does, he's going to turn the ball over some. It happens, but uh, seeing him, that's that's the key to success is you put Snoop Roach on, on a guy like Trey Young and he's going to be able to shut him down. Now, he hasn't quite figured it out against all people, but he's definitely got uh, Trey Young's number. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Texas, uh, you have to give credit to, of course, him being on the ball with the whole team looking at it. Um, you know, Matt Coleman also, when he had the assignment, locked Young up pretty well. 
Um, you know, they rebounded as, as good as Texas has all year. Bomba had, you know, career high 18 boards, but everyone, uh, seemed to be snatching up defensive rebounds that didn't give those easy second chance points. Um, and it actually, I saw a stat that uh, Texas held Oklahoma to 0.89, uh, points per possession, which is the lowest PPP Oklahoma has had, uh, all year. I just like saying PPP. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's good defense, good rebounding, good Texas basketball. Yeah, and and just one last thing. It, it looked like Mo Bamba protected the rim better than he has, uh, at least in three or four games, and, and it shows on the the box score. Texas outscored OU in the paint, forty to twenty four. Like we say it every time, when Texas really controls the points in the paint, when Texas has a positive result in in the paint, they seem to come out on top. I mean, we can look at uh, Baylor. You know, Texas thirty eight to thirty six points in the paint. So you can contrast those two games and see that when Texas has a good game inside. Generally, it turns out to be a W. Yeah, and, and speaking on that, I mean, just uh, one last thing. Credit where credit's due. Dil, uh, Dylan Oskowski has been slumping. We've highlighted it. He even, you know, to me, I think is the part of the big part of the reason that Baylor was able to get that W. Um, he came out 21 points, did his thing, um, was a big part of this victory. So good for him. Hopefully turned a corner. Big O hitting on the slump buster. So we're going to move very quickly. We don't have a ton to talk about women's basketball. It's hard to find new things to talk about with a team this dominant. Uh, they won back-to-back games. They won seven straight, including uh, an 87-72 to 72 Valentine's Day present to Texas Tech and a 77-62 to win over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Just today, at the time of recording, uh, Texas had its seven-game winning streak snapped against the Baylor Bears again in Waco, 93-87. to 87. Kyle, do you have anything really to add about what the heck happened in in this week? Or are we just excited to see the women win the next two games and go to the tournament? All I have to add is that I hate Baylor. <laughs> yeah, so Texas has uh, two more games. They got Iowa State and then uh, at home against OU. So they can, they can end the season on a high note and dominate OU at home and then go into the Big 12 tournament and put up some numbers. So we'll move on to baseball. Uh, Texas opened up its baseball season uh, this past weekend with a three-game weekend series against everybody's favorite, Ulala, University of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, so they won the Friday-Saturday matchup 3 nothing, and then 5-3. to three. Uh, Texas, unfortunately, was not able to wake up the bats on Sunday and lost 2-1. Uh, to one. So they start the season off on a 2-1 and one record. So Kyle, you're kind of a... Uh, baseball aficionado, you're a, you're a dish folk man. What what did you see uh, in this weekend that made you happy? What did you see in this weekend that gave you a little bit of pause? Yeah, I've been a uh, I've been a UT baseball fan for as long as I had to uh, you know park at the dish folk parking lot or walk across the highway to uh, to my dorm in Jester. So, but <laughs> but been been around for a minute. But uh, but no, um, this was this was a pretty good start. Ulala is you know a Sun Belt favorite to win that conference. They weren't a pushover. You know Texas is clearly the better team. This was about par for you know you play these games a hundred times. Texas probably won sixty to seventy five percent of them. I'd uh, love for that number to be eighty or ninety, but had a good good opening series um, from the pitching staff. Um, Nolan Kingham looks like legitimately like an ace. Um, he's going to anchor that rotation all year. He had a fantastic open with the three zero uh, win on Friday. Uh, the Saturday game was fun. It was the first time. Texas baseball and, and dish Falk has seemed fun in a little while. So it was uh, kind of a wild ending um, with, you know, a stretch in about 20 minutes that saw, um, you know, a guy come in to close out a game, hit a batter, followed by consecutive bunts for hits, uh, a suicide squeeze. 
and then eventually uh, a walk-off home run to undo all that uh, for UT to to get what looked like a pretty inexplicable win. It, they they were uh, heading for a a ridiculous loss and uh, and turned it all around, which is fun. Uh, got a little bat work that game, scoring five runs. Um, but then we kind of saw the the hitting issues, and especially with runners in scoring position, which was a huge huge issue last season uh, for a decent team. I think this has the potential to be a better team than last year, but saw some of the same issues creep up uh, with just not being able to to turn uh, runners on base into runs in the box score. Uh, so that's really going to be a huge point of uh, interest that we're watching going through. Um, and just to to kind of point out the overall batting we had two players the uh, the final of the clemens is uh cody kobe coley Coronimo. i don't know there's a lot of a lot of k's um in the in the clemens uh kids i think there's four and they're all k's which it's fine to do four but you can't do three but uh uh the last clemens and mason hibbler uh basically hit uh, over 500 combined and the rest of the team was just a shade over i think they're uh, 103 batting average so everyone else is going to need to follow those guys get the bats going and, and help uh pour some runs in but uh but yeah i think uh, it'll be interesting to host lamar in a, in a one-off and then uh, have lsu for a weekend series next weekend so this will be kind of a, a point of this podcast where we just look a little bit at baseball we might even be able to get a guest uh, or two in to talk some texas baseball uh in the coming weeks I love it, and and you mentioned you mentioned Kingham. I'm excited to get to watch him pitch because that dude. You said he looked like a legitimate ace. Dude was dealing that Friday game. He was dealing ten ten strikeouts, eight innings, three hits, ten strikeouts. That's a, that's a little bit of a game. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a dude going to get get drafted, uh, continuing the lineage of, of solid Texas pitchers, and uh, having an ace on the staff is fun. It's fun to know that you know every weekend series you have a guy like that to start it off uh, and to tune in and watch him do do his thing. So. Yeah, I'm excited to see his progression throughout the season. Uh, it wouldn't be a Longhorn Republic without us talking a little bit of Texas football. We've got two pieces of news we want to discuss. First off, uh, we got some news that former tight end Max Cummins, he was a three-star out of uh, uh, Dallas All Saints Episcopal High School, um, has moved from defensive end to tight end, uh, continuing the trend of Texas, moving seemingly random guys to the tight end position to try to stem the tide that started with Jermichael Finley leaving early for the draft That's right. and two non-qualifiers just weird situations happening at tight end so Kyle what's this is now the fifth tight end I think on the depth chart so what is is this just stress the importance of the tight end position in this offense or is there something deeper happening uh, yes to both of those practically uh, speaking it is a it is a position of need it's a position of, of importance in, in both the Tim Beck and Tom Herman offense um we saw mixed results and success, you know, this year from it. Nothing really uh, foundational that it looked like we could build off of. But we do, uh, we do have a couple of different guys who are going to try to play that position. I'll be very curious at the spring game to see uh, who we're trotting out and who stands out. Um, you know, because you could see one guy kind of make it his own then. Um, but at, at a more uh, a more voodoo level, um, yes, the curse of Jermichael Finley is very, very, very real. Um, we have we have talked about it in this podcast. It's a thing that we have uh, we have bantered about for you know over a decade, and uh, and it's very real. It's it's worse than the Madden curse. It's uh, you know it's whatever we need to do to break this. Let's uh, let's start putting our heads together on that. I was I I was actually kind of joking about five guys on the depth chart, but. You got Beck and Gray, Cade Brewer, Reese Leatow, Malcolm Epps, who just signed, and now you've got uh, Cummins moving over from defense to offense. So 
I want to figure out what's happening at tight end. Uh, maybe they're just going to rotate guys in. I I really don't know. I know Cummins was a late riser um, in his class, so maybe he's just got some sneaky athleticism. I, I just don't know. And it that is a, still a little worrisome to me heading into spring practice that they feel the need to move a guy for depth purposes or for talent purposes. Uh, the jury is still out on that. Yeah, if only we had Chris Warren there to lock that position up. Oh, Chris Warren. We're not even going to talk about Chris Warren on today's podcast. Because <laughs> uh, it would just turn into us kicking a guy while he's down a little bit. As as much as down as a guy that's got invited to the combine can be. <laughs> so, uh, Texas also held its junior day. Kind of a big day for Texas, um, you know, under Mac Brown. Junior day was yeah. basically when Mac would, would cinch up his recruiting class. You'd go yep. to junior day and know... Basically 90% of your class, uh, you know, Chuck, not as much. Herman has a completely different approach to junior day, uh, but Texas gave out three offers over the weekend. But there are more than 70 Texas targets representing the next three recruiting classes, 19 through 21. Texas's top target, uh, Garrett Wilson from Lake Travis, he... Uh, he seems to be leaning Texas. I mean, he's a Lake Travis guy. Uh, he called Texas home via Twitter. Uh, he posted a shish picture with Carrington and three other receivers. So if Texas picks up three of those four guys, I'm down to clown. And then another guy I want to talk about who also posted a shush is uh, Converse Judson Boo tackled to Marvin Neal. He's the top tackle in Texas. You can't have enough D, D tackles um, when you're playing in the Big 12 because you got to rotate those guys. Um, after he posted that shush pick, like Crystal Balls on 24-7 just started flying in the, in the burn orange direction. Um, but really the majority of the guys were from uh, Texas. So it shows that Herman really is continuing to try to foster a deep relationship with Texas high school coaches and the players in state. Yeah. The two things on that. I mean, the, uh, the, the shush is one of the, the most powerful, uh, tweets, you know, the, the surefire tweets when that happens, landscape shifts and changes. It is a, a verifiable, uh, certified form of communication. Um, so a Carrington shush is worth its weight in gold. Um, and then uh, the other thing is I don't understand why people are freaking out so much about having two national signing days. Uh, being a, a Mac Brown era Texas Longhorn fan, there's always been two. There's been, like you said, most of the, <laughs> the, the guys signed on junior day, and then there'd be like three dudes who came in uh, on signing day. So, uh, yeah, this was good. This was fun. I always look forward to these junior days. Uh, also, just like huge shout-outs and claps to all of the Texas uh, social media team and just like recruiting team. I mean, these guys just look like they're having the time of their life. Uh, everything looks awesome. Just like their pictures, like the lighting. I mean, it just looks awesome. Like it looks better than everywhere else in the country, which that's Texas and that's how it should be. And I just love it. I love that that's been a Herman priority to get the locker rooms, to get the imaging, to get the, you know, the whole uh, alignment and on brand is really coming together in that sense. And, uh, and I, I love it. I love that Texas looks cool, looks awesome, is exciting. It just is better than everyone else, as we should be. Yeah, it's becoming it's it's becoming a brand again. I think it's always been a brand, but it continues to be a brand. The coaches got some brand new uh, KD burnt orange swag to go out on the recruiting trail. They debuted it uh, this weekend at the Junior Day. That brings us to our favorite part of the show, where we honor our favorite tradition on the Forty Acres and bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, I'll keep it here um, in the same vein on recruiting. Um, we talked about Junior Day, but there is kind of one final piece to the recruiting puzzle for the 2018 cycle. Kind of an off-cycle guy. You've you've probably heard all your uh, friends who are in the know at UT talking about him. Um, kind of the big man who uh, 
has offers from all around the uh, all around the country and really is a hot commodity. Uh, you're probably thinking to yourself that I'm talking about Rice grad transfer uh, Calvin Anderson offensive tackle, but no, as this uh, podcast states true to its roots, we are actually talking about the big commitment uh, that happened uh, over the weekend, I believe, or maybe end of last week, when Texas added a, a preferred walk-on long snapper Justin Mater. That's Under Armour All-American long snapper, which I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, but yeah, that's right. Uh, but added him to the squad because, uh, again, Texas understands that, uh, this is a punting podcast. This is, uh, Big 12 is a punting conference. And really, you know, uh, after Michael Dixon, uh, every team is just chasing the, uh, the punting Joneses that we are. So, uh, adding a, a long snapper, which is awesome. Uh, if I go to games, I'm going to be shouting, uh, shouting out for Justin Mater. He's, he's one of my new favorite guys. You've got to come up with a, with a Mater chant. I don't know what that looks like. You're more of a chant guy than I am. Yeah. I think a Mater chant needs to happen. I'll try to dig through my old Ralph Nader chant. It should be a pretty easy transition. I would love it. If we can just get a Michael Dukakis on the uh, on the team, that'd be great. So my bang the drum this week stays on the recruiting trail. Uh, it, it's one of the players that was not a Texas guy, one of the rare invites that was not to a Texas guy, uh, Arkansas offensive tackle uh, Stacy Wilkins. And really it's not even a ton about him. Uh, he's a massive kid. I was looking at pictures and I was like, he's really not that big to be a to be an offensive tackle. And then I realized he's 6'7", so anything on him is just going to look skinny. But really it's it's the the efforts that Texas is making – uh, to be culturally inclusive for him, they actually uh, have a uh, – he's a Polynesian guy, and you know we all know my love for Polynesian offensive linemen. Uh, <laughs> but Texas went out of its way to find some Polynesian cultural items, some some beads, some, some um, kind of representative uh, kind of replicas, even some traditional Polynesian clothes for him to wear in pictures. But, you know, it, it, they, they went out of their way to do this. They've got a guy on their staff that's actually Polynesian. He's one of the recruiting assistants. Uh, and he's been really, really instrumental. Uh, he was part of Junior Angelau's recruitment. Uh, he's now going to be part of Stacey Wilkins' recruitment. And in a day and age where we're having so many conversations about representation and about cultural identity, you know, my other podcasts I'm going to talk about it tomorrow night Black Panther came out has a lot to say about identity and cultural identity and things like that uh it's it's cool to see Texas going out of its way not just to recruit a kid like yeah that's the end goal to get the guy but to to say that hey we don't just we notice who you are. We don't just notice that you're a three-star offensive tackle and you can't add some size to to the blind side for a quarterback. But we know and respect who you are as a person, uh, and that is part of our pitch to you is that, hey, you're going to go to a place where you're going to be loved and accepted, uh, not just for what you can do on the field, but who you are as an individual. That's all we've got for you this week. And thank you so much for listening in. Again, I'd love to remind you, uh, if you like what we do, leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, you can subscribe wherever you find this, whether it's Google Play or Stitcher or TuneIn or Overcast. Again, we're not on Spotify. I'm going to keep saying that until Spotify emails me back. Uh, Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. Um, not even going to plug Fuddruckers this week. I haven't heard back from them. <laughs> you can find the show on Twitter. We are at Longhorn Pod. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. If you like nerd news, I do a podcast every uh, every week on Tuesday nights normally called Two Woke Nerds. Kyle occasionally makes an appearance on there where we're talking Game of Thrones tomorrow night. We're talking Black Panther. So if you want to check that out, again, Two Woke Nerds with my buddy uh, Raymond Summerlin. Thank you so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Conda forever.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.